the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Every one of us, every man, every woman that's ever been born, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We're all in danger of the wrath of God. And if you put that sin on a scale, no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try, it's always going to be in balance. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Praise the Lord if what seems to take place is taking place. The ruling of Roe versus Wade will be deemed unconstitutional. And the battle uh, about abortion will take on kind of a different front. And the possibility is that this, this heinous act may become illegal. Uh, the truth is, uh, this is murder of children. A, a third of my generations that the Bible says God knew in their mother's wombs, they did not make it safely out of their wombs. Because just after I was born, this law was put into practice. But it's caused a lot of emotion this week, hasn't it? Did you see the, the picture? There's one young lady, and she's holding a sign. And this is a young lady holding a sign, and it literally says, I wish my mother had aborted me. And you're thinking, no, you don't. That does not make sense. You know better than that. that that's, you know truth, and that's not truth. You push down truth to express something that you're feeling. And we're doing that all over society. And I'm seeing that in church. I'm seeing parents and grandparents who are changing what they believe is truth because they're wanting to justify the actions of their children and their grandchildren. That's not okay. That's not all right. We, we see that in our society. Uh, a, a few years ago, our nation legalized homosexual marriage. And so now my children are growing up in a world where um, that's the norm. But I need you to know that's not always been the norm. As, as followers of God, it, it, it's not okay for us to be okay with that. Why? Because for millennia, <laughs> since the beginning of history, that's not been the norm. But what did we do? We pushed down truth. But we know better. But I want you to see in this passage, it's bigger than just these moral issues. Because really he's talking about the truth of God. Can people know the truth of God? Can they know that he is there, that he exists, that he cares? 
The answer is yes. In verse 19, he says, it's plain. It's easy. All they have to do is look and they see it. I love this quote by Abraham Lincoln. It says, I I, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down on the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how he can look up to the heavens and say there is no God. This is why in, in verse 20 it says, So they are without excuse. So pastor, you just came from another country where there are indigenous groups of people, some living still very primitively, with no churches, no missionaries. My new friend William, who who came from Jacksonville, he's ministering to the second largest unreached group of people in South America. His particular village, there's a thousand people. But of this people group, there are 300,000. He's the only non-missionary. His village got electricity during COVID. Until COVID, he was the only vehicle in his village. Pastor, are you telling me that those people are accountable? I'm just telling you, God's word says they are without excuse. Wow. What does that mean? Well, philosophers have talked about this in different ways through the years, different arguments for God. First, there's the cosmological argument of God. This is simply saying that something can't come from nothing. So you, you, you're kind of taking a huge leap of faith if you believe something like a Big Bang Theory, that something just happened, and then everything that exists is here. That doesn't make sense. It's not science for sure. The reality is the cosmological argument says you can't keep going back in infinite regression to nothingness. Things had to start somewhere. So we believe they start with God. Then there's a teleological argument. Teleo means purpose. So the, the teleological argument says surely there has to be a purpose to this, right? And this was done on purpose. And so you just look at some of the ways that the earth is created. For example, the makeup of our atmosphere, 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen, 5% argon, 3% carbon dioxide. Well, what if those levels were slightly off? For example, if the oxygen level dropped by 6%, what would happen? (gasps) We'd all suffocate. What if it rose by 4%? The planet would be a big fireball. And you know what would happen? We would all die. Uh, What about this? What if the CO2 level was just a little higher? Let's say 3% or a little lower, maybe 1%. The earth would either become an oven or we'd have no atmosphere at all. And we'd all die. Or, Or what about the water molecule? Do you know the water molecule is the only molecule whose solid form and that's ice is less dense than its liquid form which means that when it freezes it what it floats it doesn't sink well what if that were different what if ice did not float 
It would sink to the bottom. And so we think about our oceans. The whole oceans would eventually freeze from the bottom up. And you know what would happen? We'd all die. Or how about the distance from the sun? Don't you love it? Where the sun shines state when the sun shines. What if that distance were a little different? If we were 2% closer. You know what happened? We'd burn up. And then we would, we'd all die. Or the tilt of the earth. Did you know that the earth is tilted in a, a particular way? It set an ideal 23.5 degrees, which gives us the tithes and the seasons. What if it were not til- tilted? Temperatures would be different, and then you know what would happen? We'd all die. So this week in Ecuador, I went to the equator, and um, you can actually stand on both sides of the equator and uh it's kind of weird. I felt schizophrenic in that moment. But um, did you know that in this earth that God designed, on one side, really, right there we did this. On one side of the equator, you can pour water from a bucket into a sink, and the water spins down clockwise. You move six feet away to the other side of the equator, pour the same water out of the same bucket into the same sink. We did this, and it goes counterclockwise. There in Quito, um, do you know except for two days a year, the sun rises and sets at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. every day? Because it's the equator. In fact, uh, we have this video, but I'm not going to show it to you. I can try to walk on that equator line. And you know, if you try to do that and and you close your eyes, (laughs) you start shaking. It's crazy because of the magnetic pull. Why? Because God made this. Everything about this, it's on purpose. It's a part of his design. It's plain to see. I, I love watches. I like this watch. It's one of my favorites. It's a Tommy Bahama. I like Tommy Bahama too. This is not fancy. It, it looks nice, but this is not a fancy watch. In fact, I don't have any really fancy watches. Now, I'd love to have a Rolex. That's that's not a hint. I, my birthday just passed. I, I, but and I have some that say Rolex. But if you see me wearing those, that's not a Rolex. It could be a Crolex or a Folex or a Stolex. I didn't steal it. But, um, but let's say I was out for a walk today and I, I was walking down Whiteway over here and I look down on the sidewalk and I go, whoa, a Rolex. What am I going to think? Thank you, Jesus. You've answered my prayers. Oh, I'm so good. No. I'm going to say, man, somebody lost a Rolex because that just does not appear. Someone put it there. But let's go a step further. Where does a Rolex come from? Well, why? Why could a watch possibly be worth five or ten or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars? It comes from the reality that there's a watchmaker somewhere that really knows how to make a watch that moves just perfectly and never loses time and looks exquisite. I mean, the watch didn't just appear. There was a watchmaker who made the watch. It's a teleological argument. Maybe there's an argument from a desire. You know, these urges we have, these desires, where do they come from? 
Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. C.S. Lewis described this this way. He he says, a baby feels hunger. Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. Well, there's such a thing as water. Men feel sexual desire. Well, there's such a thing as sex. And if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. And then there's the moral argument. Why are certain things wrong? Why are certain things bad? I was having this discussion with someone recently, and she has two small children, and she's not a follower of Christ. She was saying, I'm so worried about my boys, and they're watching these video games, or they're going to see these movies and all this bad stuff. And so I knew it. That's my moment. So I said, hey, tell me something. Why is that stuff bad? (laughs) And she knows I'm a preacher. She just looked at me and she said, it's bad. I said, I know it's bad, but why is it bad? She said, because it's not good. I said, but who told you it's not good? And as I, I was able to share with her, you, you see, you just can't make up the rules. Somewhere you're getting this moral argument. And, and what we believe is that people are without excuse because it's plain to see that the only reason we have moral arguments is because there is a moral lawgiver and he's decided what is right and, and what is wrong and what is good and what is bad. And when you recognize that, you're drawn to say, tell me more about this God. And you're without excuse. So do they know? Do they not know? Near the end of World War II, the first town with a concentration camp that the Allied forces liberated was a town called Ordorf, Germany. The Nazis tried to get rid of any evidence of what had gone on there, but the Allied soldiers got there before they could. And so America, GIs, witnessed hundreds of dead bodies in this first concentration camp that they discovered. A few hours later, General Patton arrived, and he vomited upon witnessing what he saw. The next day, he went and got the mayor of Ordorf and his wife to see for themselves what they had had to have known was happening in their town. And then he ordered the mayor and every able body in the town to dig graves for each body. And after they dug the graves and conducted a funeral for the deceased, Patton found out that the mayor and his wife had hung themselves. But before their death, they left a note. And the note read, We didn't know, but we knew.
That's what Paul's saying. They may not know because sitting under the preaching in a church, we have the written copy of God's word like you know. They may not know that way. But they know. You you may not know because you grew up in Sunday school or because you had a godly mom or dad like I was blessed to. But you know. And you're without excuse. You know better. But there's a second thing my mom used to say that I think Paul's saying here. And uh, you know, sometimes she'd look at me and she'd say, son, you're getting too big for your britches. You ever heard that saying? You know, what was she trying to say? You think you're something? You're not what you think you are. Paul talks about that in verses 22 and 23. Look at it again. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Think about that. Claiming to be wise, they made a foolish decision. I read of that even this morning in my devotional time. Psalm 53, 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's what we do. We make God in our image. He created us in his image, and then we say, we're going to return the favor. So we exchange what he's given us for our own making. Watch out. Getting a little big for your britches. You're not God. Let me tell you this last thing. A couple of occasions, my mom would say to me, be careful what you wish for. Be careful. You may get what you're asking for is what she's saying. Be careful what you wish for. Look at these next couple of verses, verses 24 and, and, and 25. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged, here's the word again, the truth, there's that again, about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Be careful what you wish for, because God may give you up to your desires. What is that word? Three different times in this chapter, he's going to say, God gave them up. What does it mean? Imagine I were standing here with a Waterford crystal vase. Actually, if if I were standing here with that, I would have to tell you it's a, a Waterford crystal vase. If you don't know what Waterford crystal is, it's very expensive. And imagine I described it and held it up for you to see. And then I went, oops. And I just let it drop into hundreds and hundreds of water for crystal shattered glass pieces. What will I have done? I gave it up. When it says God gave them up, he's saying that he took his hands off of it. And he'll do that. He'll, he'll let you do what you want to do, even if it leads to your destruction. And it's described in this pattern. It began with self-deification, right? There's no God. I'm God. 
And that leads to self-indulgence. If I've God, then guess what? I can do whatever I want to do. So self-deification to self-indulgence, and that leads to self-destruction. That's why we can't be ashamed. That's why we're obligated. That's why we have to be eager with the gospel. Does it really matter? And this week I was with my friend. I'd met him a few years ago. He, he ministers to the Aka Indians, also known as the Hawani tribe in Ecuador. In 1956, on a beach, this tribe known as Killers killed five American missionaries. One of them is named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott said so many wise things, but one of the things he said is, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. There were no known followers of Christ in that village. Five missionaries died. Sixty years later, a man who, who ministers in that village, he, he's at this pastor's conference and he, he's showing me pictures even of some of the killers, the murderers who have come to Christ. They introduced the gospel into that village and it, it began to change things. In fact, he, he said, Pastor, you don't understand. This is the first generation of the Aka Indians who know their grandchildren This is the first generation of grandmothers that know some of their grandchildren. Why? Because they stopped killing each other. And then he said this. When the gospel took effect, they stopped killing one another. And the tribe increased. So this group of Indians that were nearing extinction are now growing in Ecuador because of the gospel. I hear that and I think of I think of what a student once asked Charles Spurgeon. He said if the heathen who have never heard the gospel would be saved. He asked that question. And Charles Spurgeon replied, "My greater question is not that, but whether we who have heard the gospel and failed to give it to those who have not heard can be saved." Our guilt and God's grace. What do we do in response to this? Well, if you've never begun a relationship with Christ, the only response is to confess your sins and repent of your sins and look in faith to the cross of Christ. And I'm going to invite you to do that. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, our response is also very clear this should not be optional (laughs) we have to tell everybody we can the truth we have to tell everybody we can about the wrath of God and the way he's made for us to not be under his wrath 
That's why we've given you these little bracelets. And that's why we've given you these symbols that are behind me and that you'll see on the screen that just tell us that, that every one of us, every man, every woman that's ever been born, we're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. We're all in danger of the wrath of God. And if you put that sin on a scale, no matter how good we are, no matter how hard we try, it's always going to be in balance. Our sin is always going to outweigh our innocence. But thankfully, we have a God who's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And if anybody can make a way, he can make a way. And he did. He demonstrated his love in that while we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died on a cross for us. And when we look to the cross and we understand that he took the wrath of God, we can respond in faith. And that changes everything for us. Oh, friend, this is not hard. We've given you tool, and I took 60 seconds to show you a simple way you can tell somebody else the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. The stakes are too high. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.